Welcome to this edition of our Marketing Insights podcast series. My name is Nicole Young, and I am the Executive Marketing Manager here at McGraw-Hill. Today, I'm excited to be joined once again by researchers, master educators, and authors of our Marketing Management 3rd Edition, Greg Marshall and Mark Johnston, both of Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida. Welcome back to the podcast, Greg and Mark. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you. Great to be here. And happy holidays. So today's podcast is entitled Cancel Culture, which is quite relevant considering the hubbub and the news lately. So let's get right into it. What is cancel culture? Cancel culture isn't an everyday term you find in a lot of marketing texts these days, but it's rapidly becoming something every marketer needs to be aware of. It's really a label. There's other labels that are used as well. It's kind of this public shaming thing that uh, started in social media and online, the idea of uh, basically aiming to hold people and groups accountable for their actions by calling attention to their behavior, and particularly behaviors that somebody else thinks is out of line in some way or the other. Uh, It's very values-driven, and uh, some of the other terms you might hear about this, I've heard call-out culture, uh, I've heard outrage culture, Uh, There are others that are maybe not quite as savory that I won't share here. But basically, this, at its essence, is a form of consumer boycott. And I think in marketing, we're all sensitive and understand what consumer boycott is. Although this is so values-driven that it's kind of, um, shall we say, consumer boycott on steroids. Uh, In the human side of the thing, Often somebody like a celebrity or maybe even just somebody on an ad has perhaps done something that didn't set well with a particular group. And so when this happens and that perception makes its way out to public view, someone calls them out on uh, Instagram or just pick your favorite social media place, then all of a sudden a groundswell starts to occur, right? And then there are followers and there are likes. And then all of a sudden, within just a period of days or maybe even hours, the idea of consumer boycott becomes uh, realized by this brand or this organization. Or in many cases, it's actually a person who's representing a brand or a company. And so, of course, in marketing, we would love to be able to get ahead of this, but we can't always seem to do that, unfortunately. And we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, just a couple of examples of these to see, to see the thoughts a little. We've seen in recent years um, Roseanne Barr and her series and the sponsors that were on her series pretty well slammed with a left hook based upon this, this kind of, uh, of, of emotive outrage. Uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, you know, fired Shane Gillis. And uh, based upon that, there was a tremendous uh, groundswell of kind of both directions of uh, social media frenzy. Um, uh, One of the most famous ones for folks that have been watching TV for a while was um, on the Food Network. They took a major hit from Paula Deen. Uh, Her brand was probably close to destroyed by certain things that came out that were viewed as offensive and rightly so by many people. Uh, And then, look, even Katy Perry. Katy Perry is not 
immune to this. One of the most recent uh, examples was some things that kind of came back and Katy Perry was called down for. And of course, the last great example recently is Kevin Hart and the situation that emerged that impacted the Oscars, but it also then kind of caught on and some of the other award shows ended up with single hosts. The impact of this phenomena is huge. It's gigantic. And it's something that in marketing, we have got to be watchful of. Wow, thank you so much for uh, that insight and background there. I definitely recall all of those examples. So great examples there. So to be very recent, who is Peloton and what is their product and what exactly happened with the recent consumer backlash against them? Well, this is uh, a great example, a very current example of exactly what uh, Greg was talking about with the cancel culture. So just a little bit of background, Peloton is uh, uh, an exercise fitness organization, a company started out uh, in uh, near the Silicon Valley. Uh, and it was really a bunch of uh, techies who were into biking. And they thought that uh, there was a lack of technology that could be, uh, that was incorporated into the fitness experience. So they created their product as really um, a high-end, very expensive bike, over $2,000. They also sell a treadmill that's over $4,000. And they they marry this with uh, very sophisticated technology and the ability to sign up, which is ongoing revenue for the company, uh, to sign up for a membership where you get um, streamed exercise videos uh, really targeted just at you and you pay for this membership monthly. So, um, and they also have an app that you can put on your phone and use separately from their bike and their treadmill. Uh, it's a very successful company. Uh, they've really uh, taken off in the last seven years. So um, they come to this marketplace with a lot of uh, goodwill and a lot of uh, a very strong established, established reputation. So what happened? So they're getting ready to create their um, holiday uh, promotion and they create a video uh, in which a husband uh, gives his uh, wife um, one of their Peloton bikes, uh, which is, as I say, over $2,000. And she comes down and she's just, wow, you know, I, I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm gonna do this. And the short video, it's about a 30 second video, follows her for the next year. Uh, and she creates this video blog of her experience. And at the end of the commercial, it's one year later, and she's like, uh, oh, honey, I didn't realize this would change my life. Well, um, the commercial was released, uh, Peloton put it out, and it got a couple of reviews of the uh, in the advertising world. All of a sudden, it exploded on social media, uh, and the comments were decidedly negative. Um, the commercial was sexist. Uh, the model, the person, the woman in the, in the ad is already in great shape. And they're like, well, why is this guy asking his, his wife to get in shape when she's in great shape? And there was just a huge amount of negative, very uh, vitriolic comments on social media uh, about this ad, which has led to a, a lot of discussion in the broader media 
about the ad and the meaning of the ad and so forth. It's uh, the TV shows, the new shows are talking about it. They've interviewed the wife, who's now called the Peloton wife. They've also interviewed uh, the Peloton husband. Uh, and they've talked to the company. The company has said, look, a lot of our people tell us, the people, our customers, our clients, tell us that, that owning a bike or a treadmill changes their life in a positive way. That's what we were trying to um, convey in the ad. Um, the challenge, of course, is in the world we live in today, as Greg was alluding to, um, should Peloton have sat back and maybe looked a little bit of uh, do some what if scenarios, could this be perceived in a negative way or, or something like that? But clearly, um, it, the, as Greg was talking about, the social media picked up on this and really ran with it to the point now where if you go and you search the Peloton uh, video, it has millions of views and uh, hundreds of thousands of comments. Wow. wow. This is a prime season for them, too, to have this kind of backlash happening. So um, really interesting. So what are some other examples of the cancel culture in marketing? And how can marketers prepare themselves for the eventuality that their brand might someday face cancellation? Oh, my goodness. Well, I uh, am absolutely positively on this podcast, not going to get political. This is an apolitical statement here. But a number of the examples in the current, uh, shall we say, run up to the election on all sides uh, have to do with politics. And one of the ones that probably got as much or more publicity than anything else was uh, the various companies that billionaire Stephen Ross uh, invests in, um, well, Stephen Ross held a fairly substantial uh, fundraiser in the multi-millions of dollars, if, if you want to go into details, uh, in the Hamptons for uh, Donald Trump. And very normal, happens on both sides of the aisle, but uh, given the atmosphere now, uh, all those companies became exposed on social media very, very quickly. And as Mark was mentioning, um, it's really quick once it's out there, just like with Peloton, it's just a matter of hours or days before they begin to see negative results. Uh, I think a key to all of this, and, and to, to focus for a little bit here on your second question, which is really how somebody might deal with this, either proactively or after the fact. I think the question very much comes down to what are the basics of really good marketing and branding? Uh, even without social media, if you could, some of you remember years ago when we didn't have it, marketing still had these same problems. It just took more time for the feedback to raise its head. Uh, in the case of the Peloton ad, the, the, the poor actress who was on there, she certainly had no part in developing the script or the messaging. She was hired to play that role. Her name is Monica Ruiz. And uh, recently she was on the Today Show and said she was just uh, completely taken aback by all of it. She, uh, it's obviously impacted her brand personally now as well. And she even jokingly almost accepted blame for the part of it where 
it seemed to be tone deaf uh, because she was kind of saying, well, maybe if I had just given a little bit of a different expression or appearance when I was speaking with the actor playing my husband. Look, I think we all realize we can come up with all sorts of reasons at the micro level, but the issue is as marketers, we have got to be prepared for this in ways that give us the opportunity to react very, very quickly. So let me give you a few ideas. One thing that I would suggest is uh, do a bit of a diagnosis on your vulnerabilities in advance. Uh, if you don't have a marketing plan that has already identified your target markets and submarkets, and you, if you don't have data on some of the psychographic and behavioral kinds of characteristics of those markets and submarkets, you are already incredibly vulnerable from this because it will not be easy for you when and if you do unwittingly encounter one of these episodes to be able to bounce back quickly. So our advice is heavily on the proactive side to make sure that you are clear who your target markets are. You're never going to be able to please everybody. And if you are so neutral, if, if your brand has no personality at all, then is that better or is that worse than a brand that does have some personality and that has some positioning in the marketplace? Uh, I'll let you contemplate that question because everything we know about branding is that with target marketing being what it is, the more vivid, the more known, the more your brand stands for something in the marketplace to that target market, then the better off your results are going to be. A lot of folks who do start these kinds of viral processes are not your customers in the first place. I can't emphasize that enough. Now that doesn't mean that it's any better because of that because this situation with Peloton clearly was a social media fiasco, but it was partly a fiasco because they weren't prepared for it and because their response was not swift and it was very muddy. So try to be prepared, but then when it does happen, the other part of the coin is that you've really got to have a plan in place for uh, what you're going to do. It's almost like uh, having a disaster plan because if you have not thought through some wild way that maybe your brand becomes sullied somehow by somebody and you then become victimized by this issue of cancel culture, uh, you're going to be sitting there for one day, two days, three days, one week, two weeks, and it just festers and your adversaries, if you will, are going to take over social media. You have no plan in place to be able to come back and do some messaging back. Let's think about this in very, very basic terms, okay? And I'm gonna coin a word here now, and that term is brand safety. And we'll probably have to put that in this next edition of our, our marketing management book, because brand safety would be about knowing, as far as humanly possible, what the heck could threaten the broader company, its imagery, and the people who are representing the brand and I believe that we have to do uh, disaster preparedness at this point. Think about scenarios, think of them as worst case, and begin to figure out what could possibly happen. And that's not something that most companies are doing. It could lead to paralysis, of course, because sometimes little tiny things can be offensive 
depending upon an individual's background, depending upon their politics, depending upon just filling that blank with many, many individual differences that all consumers bring to the market. And Mark and I get it. I mean, we've been in marketing our entire careers. There's, all, there's never going to be perfect messaging. But once you begin to have those discussions, then you can begin the process of planning for potential crisis. And it's just like any other crisis management process. We can learn a lot in marketing from our friends in uh, HR, uh, operations, and other sides of the business because you follow a stepwise process to have a plan in place. And so in our case, who in the world are the customers, our stakeholders? How do we best come back and contact them? Who are the ones we care about the most? What's the pecking order of responsiveness and to whom? And then what's the modality that we use to be able to go out and come back with our message in a timely way that isn't one of those kind of he said, she said sorts of things, but is more about reinforcing who our brand is in the first place. And it's not a panacea, believe me, but at least if you thought this through and had this in mind, you are better served than if you have not done a thing. One other last comment about this is that uh, we now in marketing are really just on the fringes of beginning to think this through. Some people are saying, this is a short-term phenomenon. It's, it's the phenomena du jour for 2019-2020. Well, I'll let the listeners decide if you believe that's true or not. If you think this genie is going to go back in the bottle, then okay, I'll respect your opinion. I don't think we can count on that because we always, in the era of social media and all things digital, have really quick opportunities as consumers to do a ready fire, aim, feedback to our providers. And as long as we have that, there's going to be a lot of bad information that's circulated out there about us and our brands. And so my guess is that in marketing, this conversation is going to be going on for a while. And probably if we were having this podcast a year from now, two years from now, there'd be more norms in terms of how to come back and deal with this kinds of frantic consumer response. Wow, that is so, so timely and relevant. Thank you both so much for your insights on this important topic today. I'm sure that our listeners, both faculty and students will agree. To our listeners, if you'd like to have more updates from Mark and Greg, be sure to check out their blog site at www.marshall-johnston.com. That is Marshall with two L's and Johnston with a T. Until next time, this is Nicole Young, Greg Marshall, and Mark Johnston signing off. We hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll come back again to listen in for another edition of the Marketing Insights podcast series.